a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands. I'm gonna break your heart. Nobody puts baby in the water. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is everyone and welcome back to movies for life i am one of your co-hosts michelle Egan, and i am your other co-host brian kuyper against the machines <laughs> and this is a first on movies for life because we are talking about our first pair of animated films That's right. an episode that we are both super excited about because one of those movies is like you the know one of the best movies movie ever. ever pretty much and the other one is really super great really really super good but yeah. not as good as the other one we're both kind of bringing both on this episode though rather than yeah. one of us bringing one and the other one bringing the other uh, these two make a surprisingly great pairing as well uh, that i wasn't really expecting i hadn't really thought about but i wasn't either the first yes. one we are going to be talking about is from 2021 and it is the mitchells versus the machines yes and secondly we're going to be talking about, you know, this is my favorite animated movie of all time. It is from 2008, Wally, from hey. Disney Pixar. And I got to say, watching both of these again yesterday, wow. Animation is amazing, and there's so many yeah. great things that can be done. In a fun context as well. I mean, these are movies that I think can appeal to wide range of ages uh, as well. They're not just for kids. They're not just adult animation. These are genuinely family films that everyone in a family could enjoy, whether you're a grown-up or a kid or anywhere in between. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a good time with these if you really let yourself have a good time with them because they're both great lots of fun and have something to say in both cases i think yeah they're both like very different in mm -hmm. terms of the style um which i was a lot more impressed like looking at the details this time in mitchell's versus the machines just because i'd only seen it once before yeah i like that Especially in that one, just because we're talking about it first, so I'm thinking about it a little bit more, especially with the family, like there is something that anybody at any age can relate to. Like you could probably relate to the dad as the dad. And like even at my age, I related a lot to Katie, you mm -hmm. know, or maybe you relate to the mom that, you know, is just trying so hard to keep her family together or you're like the weirder younger brother just growing up and like discovering you know girls and what he's interested in and who he is so uh it was a lot more relatable than i i remembered it to be and um i was thinking like ugh, like why am i at 37 relating so much to like this 18 year old right um but it just because it's it's universal 
yeah uh, what their what the characters are going through is pretty much universal probably to a lot of families yeah for me i was really moved by the father daughter story that's going on in absolutely in this because there's a lot of uh especially at the beginning of the movie they're just missing each other you know mm-hmm. they're talking past each other they're not able to see each other's point of view but they're actually a lot more similar than they seem to realize they are uh and they yeah are picking up more from each other than they really seem to realize as well. Yeah, it's really moving. By the end, I'm just kind of ready to turn into a puddle. That was a little mushball at the end. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, this this kind of got to me a lot. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great vocal cast too. Uh, we start out. We've got Abby Jacobson plays Katie, the lead, and so she's 18 years old, heading off to college. I like how, you know, they introduce her. You know, she's the oddball. She's a little different. Mm -hmm. She discovered that she likes making movies, which is a little, you know, me and Earl and the Dying Girl kinds of movies. You know, they're a little (laughs) awkward and bizarre. and Extremely creative. Very creative. And that's really fun. I mean, it's like, behold, cinema, you know. (laughs) I love another element is that when you know the movies, and it's primarily from Katie's point of view. Yeah. But when it is definitely in her point of view, you see the world through her eyes in a way. So there are like these uh, yeah. little rainbows and flourishes yeah, yeah. in the animation. And I love that touch. I did too. Yeah. I was paying a little bit more attention to that like this mm-hmm. time around. Like when she sees, because it's the last image I have in my head of the movie is like when she finally gets to college at the end. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's like the little rainbows that appear around it because like this has been like where she's been really excited to to be this whole time. And yeah. Uh, and I love the animation in this too. Just the design of the people is still yeah. like that kind of like exaggerated animation mm-hmm. to where people aren't quite, you know, the right proportions and everything. But the details like in their clothing yes. and stuff is a lot more realistic than anything I've seen in a long time. Like down to like Katie's nails where you can tell that she did the thing where she like used a Sharpie right. on her nails. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I loved the, those kind of details. You know, she writes on her hand and things like that. Yeah. So all of yeah, that yeah. is there. Uh, I love the backgrounds have sort of an impressionistic look to them. There's something about it, you know, like the houses look like, and they have these trees, you know, they kind of look like Norman Rockwell paintings in the backgrounds, mm-hmm. but with a little bit more, you know, sort of an impressionist flair, you know, where you don't get every detail of what's in the background, but it's enough uh-huh. to get the idea of what you're looking at. And then your focus is then drawn to the main characters and i think that's uh really well executed and it looks great it's fun it's very it's very busy like colorful movie um which kind of like threw me off like the first time i was like well there's a lot going on like i can't catch all these all this stuff going on in the background but that's kind of like the genius of the creativity of it too they can add so much to it and it'd be it's just i don't know it's it's a very interesting movie to to watch i mean i know you could probably watch it a couple more times and like catch a bunch of stuff that you missed you know like all the oh, like yeah. I was saying, all the, the, the flourishes in the background and stuff mm-hmm. and like just whenever because it's a different animation those flourishes than yes. the the main animation it looks like it looks hand cra- drawn. crayon hand drawn yeah. stuff yeah. which is really cool and like little things will pop up you know uh in the corners sometimes too or like every time they do the uh the raptor bash thing when yeah the, <laughs> the little, little <laughs> dinosaurs show up yeah yeah and you know the the whole family is is a great 
that's our main focus is in this. Is I think so. Yeah, yeah. we got Katie. Then you have uh, her father, uh, Rick Mitchell, uh, voiced by Danny McBride, which I didn't. I wasn't <laughs> I didn't really <laughs> familiar with him the first time I saw this. I went and watched. Um, the Righteous Gemstones after this and uh, then went back and watched Eastbound and, and Down as well. And and so I've become a lot more familiar with him since then. And so I can see his sort of contribution, I guess, to the role more now than um, mm. I would have when I first saw this. But he's really good. And the thing is, he sort of plays these over-the-top goofball characters so often this one is somehow more grounded uh there's a believability to the even though he's weird because okay i was gonna say this at the beginning but i hope everybody has their number three robertson head (laughs) you know non-slip screwdriver with them because we're diving in you know yeah that that's just one of those weird quirky things and he's an outdoor guy yeah and Obviously, Katie's not into that, and he's really old school. He cannot use a computer to save his life. There's all <laughs> That's these like really... one of the funniest parts about the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sent you a friend request. Yeah, <laughs> be my friend on the internet. Yeah, um, that's pretty funny. Uh, Maya Rudolph uh, plays Linda, uh, who is a first grade teacher. So <laughs> giving gold the stickers to <laughs> everybody. Gold stars, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Then. The director, Michael Rianda, plays Aaron Mitchell, who I think is supposed to be coded as on the spectrum. Uh, He's just got this um, laser-focused interest in dinosaurs, and he's very nervous around (laughs) girls especially, um, but really anybody. I hate dinosaurs. I hate you. (sighs) Yeah. If he gets flustered, he gets emotional. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, honestly, what, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is my son, uh, mm-hmm. is Aaron. The, the, the introduction of him is him calling every name in the phone book and asking, hello, do you want to talk to me about dinosaurs? No? Okay. And then he crosses that name off the list and goes down to the next one and asks <laughs> yeah. the same question. That reminds me of when Caleb was little. That's my son, uh, my oldest son. We would go to like play places, you know, at McDonald's or in the mall, mm-hmm. little playground things that they would have there. And he would just walk up to kids there and ask them, so do you want to play with me? And if they said no, he just went, okay, and went on to the next person. And then eventually someone would say, sure, come on. <laughs> and so they would play together and they would have a great time. So that was one of the things that just kind of reminded me of that. And so it was really cute. I like the way he does his voice too. Where he doesn't make him sound like a kid, really. He has his no. He, voice is he a little sounds bit very deep. adult. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, an adult, which I actually really liked, which kind of helps with the. He gets a lot of really funny, like blink and you miss it lines. Yes, too. <laughs> yeah. So that really goes with his character. Rounding out the family is Doug the pug is Monchi. <laughs> Monchi. The the dog pig dog pig loaf of bread <laughs> loaf. Bread. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and really, Manchi is such an important part of the family, too. I mean, he's, yeah. he's the, sort of this wall-eyed, weird-looking pug that, um, you know, the, I love it how she's trying to get his eyes to to go st- forward and like, puts a gold star on his nose for trying. I know you can look straight. Come on. Yeah. I love so much about 
the elements of this movie and but that core is the family yeah i love how they're all represented as i think outsiders or just a little bit different in their own way yes in a different way yet they work so well together as a family because but you know especially by the end they all accept all of that about each other yeah and it was so easy to relate especially to katie like i remember as soon as this movie started and you know she's talking about how movies were always so important to her and she's making a little movie called dial b for burger so (laughs) fun little hitchcock reference and everything and burgers and and burgers which is like some of my favorite things sure (laughs) and it was it's everything that she says like right at the beginning of the movie and her voiceover about how she's always felt like an outsider and that movies were always there for her and you know my parents really haven't quite figured me out yet but to be fair it took me a while to figure myself out too and i was like oh my god i am 37 and that is all me like right there so She's already like 100% doing better than I was at that age. But like everything that they were saying and, you know, the movie thing and like feeling like an outsider. And I still feel that way with my family. You know, it's like you're so excited about something and people don't share that same interest. And you you try to talk to like we were even talking about this not too long ago before we rewatched this movie about how. You know, it's hard to talk about your interests with other people that don't share that interest. And mm-hmm. you you know that they love you and support you, but, you know, you just can't talk about it. It's just difficult. It makes you feel even more like an outsider. Sure. And she's started to connect already with the people at college. And, yeah. you know, she's talking to these people who do have the same interests as her. They're talking about her movies. They're talking about actually having seen the ones that she's made and also the ones that she would love, they don't do a lot of focusing on it, but she's gay. Yeah. She wears a little... She has a pride. Yeah, she She has has a a pride pride pin. She has a pride button. And then, you know, at the end, they mention that she's dating a a girl. Um, Yeah, they don't don't say it at the beginning, but you see the pride button and how she's the most excited to meet... Seeing rainbows Well, she's most excited to meet Jade. Yeah. Jade, who has a taxi driver poster. Right. Some, <laughs> and I thought you would like that. <laughs> there were some other things. There were like uh, Katie's room has great posters in it. There's one that's like this obscure Boris Karloff movie. I can't remember even which one it was. And there was like, I it. forgot to pay attention. Yeah. yeah. And it, the terror from beyond space and all sorts of things. It's like these great, <laughs> these great sort nice. of obscure kinds of kinds of old, you know, 50s and earlier horror movies that I'm into that sort of stuff so much. And so that was really fun to see too. Maybe that's kind of like where her inspiration comes for how she makes her movies then just like that real like kind of down and dirty like however you can make it look real. Yes. Even if it doesn't always work you know with her dog cop movies and stuff maybe that's her I love the dog cop movies. They're so funny (laughs) because obviously you know one of them is holding Either her or Aaron yeah. is holding the dog within frame. And then there's like, you know, to make it look a like he's... A spaceship on a stick right. or something. Or a car or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. And then to make it look like he's sweating, they have these little sticks with drops of water on it <laughs> yeah. and running down his neck. It's so funny. And it's so cute and really creative. Um, you know, not just for them making these moves, but also just the actual filmmakers uh, thinking of these sort of ways to get into each character's head in Mm -hmm. a really effective way because you know you see 
kind of everyone's side of the story. And I love that Aaron and Linda are kind of on the same team trying to get them, trying to get the two together. You know, Aaron is working with Katie and then Linda's working with Rick. And and it's like, you know, you you guys just if you maybe just try and see it from this other perspective. And it's like, wow, how could I do that? You know, it's very, very cute. Why are you kicking me under the table? I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. Later in the when they're holding up the signs in the car to each other and stuff. It's great. But also, you know, when it comes to the machine element, I think. I love when Rick comes home at the beginning and he says, oh, after a long day at work, it's nice to see your faces bathed in ghoulish blue light. Ghoulish blue light. Exactly. (laughs) It's just like, I totally get that because my, my kids right now are devices are a thing. I mean, they're just part of all our lives now. And um, we have a rule that, you know, you no phones at the dinner table, at least. But even then, it's just just a thing, you know, especially my yeah. oldest. He's always seems to have his switch or his Kindle or his phone or something like that in front of his face um, where the younger ones, they, they're doing a little bit more hanging together. But, you know, at the same time, usually even even like my daughter, she'll come down. I'll turn on cheers because it's something that we can both watch (laughs) and it's just sort of a comfort thing for us lately. But admittedly, even though we're, we're in the same room, she's got, she's playing her Nintendo switch. She's playing Pokemon and I'm playing, you know, like candy crush or something like that. (laughs) But we're just kind of every now and then we'll like, so, Hey, anyway, it's something at least, but well, and that's I, I what this. I kind of liked about what this movie does, like as opposed to like our conversation that we had about you know social media a couple episodes yeah. back. I I did really like that this movie um, doesn't just demonize technology, right, or the way that it's almost taken over you know every aspect of our lives, and that it acknowledges. I think one thing that kind of got to me was um, something that Katie says when um, you know her dad's doing the usual thing it's like you're not experiencing the world you know you're just on your phone and she says this is how i experience things and i think that one really got me on two different fronts especially for this character one because she wants to be a filmmaker so Mm -hmm. she you know kind of likes seeing things you know through you know what she can create and you know what kind of you know memories that she can make um but it's also just the fact uh rick is portrayed as mostly a Luddite who doesn't really know <laughs> exactly what he's doing when it comes to technology. And Katie, being the age that she is, you know, we sort of need to acknowledge, I think, that there is a generation that grew up with technology. Yes. And so that they do see the world very differently than we did when we were growing up and we didn't have all this stuff. And we just kind of have to accept that. We can't say that, you know, the way that we grew up was better right. than they are. You know, it's just different. And yeah. we just have to accept that that's a part of their lives now. And well, I hadn't really thought of that before. Well, particularly my generation, I'm sort of the tail end of Gen X, is called literally the mtv generation so i mean (laughs) we're just trading one form of technology for another right and i think you know television is just as pervasive as cell phones and things like that i mean the difference is you couldn't take your television with you everywhere where you essentially can now 
there there are issues with that too, and I think the movie acknowledges that as well. I think it's it's fairly balanced in the way it deals with yeah the different aspects because literally Mark Bowman, uh, played by Eric Andre, has created a technology called PAL, which essentially yeah. <laughs> runs the world. Okay, uh, and everybody I, has it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got it. It runs your appliances. It's your cell phone. It's your. It's everything. It, it does say, you know, there are bad possibilities here as well. Right. And that is, you know, he creates these robots that run on this. And I know what you're thinking. Are they going to turn evil? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what a I funny love that line. line. It's like, guaranteed not to turn evil. And then ever, immediately ever. after that, they turn evil. Um, so <laughs> Take over the world and yeah. imprison well, the humans. <laughs> okay, so I'm a science fiction fan. I love, like, the new Battlestar Galactica that came out in 2003, or the Terminator, or all these big, you know, robot AI kinds of things. So I'm like, really, really skeptical <laughs> about (laughs) robotics um i guess um because i've just seen too much science fiction where robots turn on and destroy humanity they always do yeah it's just yeah that's what's gonna happen i'm sorry (laughs) so i so i i see all of these things that are being done with robotics now and i'm like i am so nervous about certain things i'll admit it and it's probably because of all of that i mean obviously there are nice droids in movies as well including the second movie we're going to talk about um Mm -hmm. and star wars things like that but it's just i get a little bit uh well both movies are about the reliance on technology Uh, too yeah that's why one of the reasons why these two movies go together so well, they're sort of uh-huh. human perspective and robotic perspectives on how humans have become so reliant upon these technologies to the point where they don't have to do anything. And that's one of the yeah. funny things about the, you know, sort of the Steve Jobs style product reveal that Bowman does where, you know, he says, all right, clean up this mess and make me some breakfast. And so he just lays down on the couch while all of this is being done around him. And it says, hey, and you'll never need to do j- dishes again. And it throws the glass and it shatters on the ground and the robots clean it up. Yeah. And and that ties in so well to Wally and the yeah. fact that, you know, everybody, every human in that movie is in a chair doing absolutely nothing, being entertained 24 7 to the point where they literally do nothing they haven't been doing anything for hundreds of years exactly it's just like the the extrapolation of where something like this could go and one of the things that i think after the machines do begin to take over and they're putting all of the humans into those there are a couple of things. First of all, it's like just watch what happens when I turn off the Wi-Fi. When Pal, <laughs> I love that. When scene. Pal does that, it's and utter and chaos. Immediately, it's the whole world descends into chaos. And Will someone take a picture of my food. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love that. It's so perfect. Like it's a joke, but it's also kind of true, which is the sad thing. I know. You know. You see videos of kids who I don't have Wi-Fi on my phone, so they have a utter right, meltdown right. in or public they can't get somewhere. the newest up, 
upgrade of phone or whatever. Yeah. Know, and they're just like so spoiled. That's the thing too about the technology that uh, I saw it in both movies, but maybe more so in Wally, where it just kind of seemed like. You know, getting robots to do everything for you. You're like, you don't have to clean up ever again. And that's not a good place to go to because then nothing is a luxury anymore. Right. Nothing is earned. And right. so it, it's making our lives easier, maybe, but also more boring. Like right. We can't even make a breakfast burrito for ourselves anymore. We're going to lose that side of our creativity of being right. human. And I think that's one of the big points of wally and we'll we'll get to that more in detail later um right <laughs> when I, I and i also like you know linda linda mitchell sort of compare seeing on instagram or whatever the posy family sure and comparing the themselves the, to this perfect family um and they're really funny that's uh chrissy teigen john legend and uh, charlene ye are the posy family and they're just Again, sort of like the apparently perfect family. You sure. know, they're always happy. They always get along. There's no, and um, the the, the <laughs> all the younger... pictures are all perfect. Exactly, like the Mitchells who can never take a good picture, which is kind of part of their charm, really. Yeah. Well, part of it, you know, because Rick and Katie are always fighting. <laughs> fighting. Now. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's charming. You know, <laughs> to mm-hmm. see because I mean that's one of the again I mean the critiques of social media and you know how you really only see what they project but this posy family seems to actually be that way yeah because <laughs> you know, like when the robots attack they have this they, perfect little kung fu move they do to get out to of <laughs> escape from dino world <laughs> yeah. yeah i think that's pretty great but they still get captured so they do. They're not they that do. perfect. Yeah. One of the things I like here too in the just the setup of the family and more of the the conflict between Katie and Rick is din- that last dinner that they have, you know, it's her last night, she's leaving the next day to to go to college and she wants to show her family and the new movie that she's made and mm-hmm. when he watches it and the he's no expression on his face, you know, can't even really see the creativity but he mm-hmm. and he does that that parent thing of you know are you sure you can really like make money doing something like this katie which is like oh that that always yep. hurts for anybody that wants to pursue anything creative yep that's the, i mean that's just the thing is it was always like my family was always super supportive of anything i ever wanted to do or whatever but there was always kind of that thing in the background it's like but maybe have a backup or you know we'll always help you out and take care of you like it didn't feel like a hundred percent support yeah you know because it was always like it's i mean it's the protective thing you want your kids to have a good life and be able to take care of themselves sure but but it's uh it's hard when you don't feel that 100 percent support from somebody if they don't that they don't believe in you that's how katie feels in this moment yeah, and it, it, I can kind of feel both sides of this because I always got the you need to have your teaching certificate so that you can go into teaching music. You can't just do music, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I've got I got that side, but even my mom, she wanted to be a teacher that when she was younger. But her mom said, no, you can't make any money. Teachers don't make any money. So be an accountant. So my mom became an accountant 
and hated it for the entire time she was an accountant. Yep. You know? So I, I see that. But then I also have my son who wants to be a video game designer. That is the only thing he wants to do. Cool. He's, he's good at coming up with stories and scenarios. He does a lot of like D&D type things. He's very good at science and math. He can code. He can do all of those things. And part of me is still like, that's a really hard field to get into. So I, I right. kind of feel both sides of it. And yeah. um, I'm there with it. So I kind of see all sides of this scenario, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Should we get into robots taking over the world? Okay. Yeah. Um, Pal... Voiced by Olivia Coleman, I think is great. <laughs> yeah. When they capture Bowman and take him into sort of the central hub of the place, the, uh, what is it called? Oh, the, the, the rhombus, rhombus of, of it, infinite, su- infinite subjugation. The rhombus of infinite <laughs> subjugation. It's That's just hilarious. But I love how I love they're that. treating him like a cell phone. Where it says, yes, I love that part. Poking him in the face, swipe, 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 you know, yeah, zoom well, in, zoom yeah, this, in. Is, <laughs> this is where the movie makes a good point when, um, because his whole thing when he was announcing the Pal Max robots was, you know, that Pal was obsolete. Mm-hmm. And she makes the point, Pal apparently is somehow very sentient which is pretty scary like yes <laughs> i don't like that i know i mean it's like alexa or Siri she can actually like to the, but she can actually talk yeah. back and hear you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the ultimate degree but she does make a good point here where she's like i connected you with people you know you could talk to all over the world with your family i kept you in touch and like this is yeah and then they do the thing this is how yeah. you cheat me get the nacho cheese get it yeah. all in the crevices <laughs> Right. That's cute. It's very, so very well done. That's a good thing that this movie does doing a, a good job of doing the, the pros and cons of technology at the same yeah. time and how it's, again, you know, made our world so big and so small at the same time. And I think the plan that Pal has for saving the earth. I and, forgot how similar the, it was to Wally. To by and large, yeah, because. <laughs> They're essentially going to send all of the humans into space. Mm-hmm. And this is was the part that just made me go, because I've seen Wally dozens of times. And so it just kind of made my head explode a little bit at how sort of brilliantly it was taking a different look at the same kind of idea. They're going to mm-hmm. send all the humans into space. And then they show this is going to be a perfect utopia where it's just robots on. Just robots. On Earth, mm-hmm. and I love the artist's rendition of the toasters running through the fields. I thought that was great. <laughs> and so we're going to put you in these cubes, and you're going to be just shot out into space. But hey, free Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi. And then, the, and then the humans go, "Oh, okay, that's not so bad." Brilliant. I mean, yeah. that is just brilliant. And I because that is essentially what is happening in Wally. Is mm-hmm. yeah, we're out in space, we're away from home, but hey, free Wi-Fi. Anything you that's could want. All they're doing. Touch a button. Yeah. Yeah. Distract them with that screen in front of their face, so they never mm-hmm. have an original thought again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, you'll get all of your sustenance in a cup, and there you go. That's all you need, right? That's all you need. <laughs> yep. It, it is just incredible, and it didn't feel like a ripoff of Wally at all. 
but I just think there's a, a real sharp critique going on. It's modernized a little bit more because yeah. it was the, as far as things have come between 2008 and 2021 is yeah. pretty wild how fast technology moves now. It is, yeah. To where the Palmax doesn't seem completely out of the realm no, of possibility. it does you know? not. Yeah, even the couple of years since this movie came out, it's like... Because all the AI discussion we're having right now, mm-hmm. I, it's moving so fast. And the the idea that AI can essentially replace human creativity is really frightening right. to me. As a writer, as a person who likes to draw and do creative pursuits of various kinds, to say, well, AI can do it and do it just as well, except it'll do something weird with the hands, you know, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's, it's all very, <laughs> yeah. I mean that, cause you know, that glitch is going to be fixed and you're not necessarily going to be able to tell what is real and what is not. And that is part of what's, what was created know, by a bot and what was yeah. created by a human. Yeah. I mean, if you think, you know, sort of disinformation is bad now, I mean, wait until this is this kind of thing is put out there. Because, I mean, you literally can't believe your eyes anymore. You see an image, you can't believe your eyes anymore. Yeah. Because it could be completely fabricated. You know. true. I'm just thinking about, because um, a new movie that came out recently, Megan. <laughs> right. I'm thinking about some, creating something like that, too, where... Even human connection and friendships right. are being replaced with technology. And like we already been having, we already this been seeing all, that. Yeah, we've been seeing this for years and years. You know, people not not being able to, but just the the lack of wanting to communicate in real life and being more comfortable, maybe communicating through apps and through the internet, or yeah, being able to have that barrier. You know, that's still been a thing for a long time. But if we can create a robot that can be your friend, too. <laughs> I know. That's a little bit. I don't know. That's kind of weird, too. But I wouldn't mind if Wally was my friend. Oh, I would absolutely have Wally as my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd be <laughs> he a, could, he could he'd hang be out a true. He'd be a true friend. Anyway. <laughs> Megan would not be. Mithrigan. Megan would not be. Mithrigan. <laughs> That that's actually probably the recommendation, huh? Megan, yeah. Megan Megan's a lot a of one. fun. That's a that's a that's a good movie. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. But anyway, the Posies have this great plan. They're able to escape, and then they try it, and it's a disaster. And they like <laughs> fall on each other and stuff. That's really funny. But the Mitchells, the whole point of the movie is they succeed because they're weird. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts with Katie's plan. And she actually essentially lays out, it's it's a it's the, the Shaun yeah. of the Dead thing where, you know, the right. pub scene where it lays out how the movie's going to go. But, you know, we're going to um, find the kill code and we're going to, it's like, well, we don't have a Escape kill code. Escape by dress up like robots. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> dress up like robots. We're going to wear... Um, Robot fingers, Mad, <laughs> Mad Max, Max style, style yeah. uh, which is totally what happens with the mom at the end. Yes. I love that. And, and we're going to find the kill code. It's like, we don't have a kill code. We don't have a kill code yet. yet. And then overhearing the robots later, 
how did they know about the kill code? <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> she was just going off what she's seen in movies. Mm, exactly. Hey, sometimes it's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And two of my favorite characters are introduced while they're still here at Dino yes. World, too. Yes. Eric and Deborah Bot. <laughs> Eric and Deborah Bot are fantastic. They are the best. The defective pal maxes that um, mm-hmm. sort of become part of the family, which I also love. You know, just accepting more yeah. of those outsiders, the ones that are different from everybody else, accepting them into their family like the rest of the Mitchells are. It's a great scene where they're drawing on their screens and everything like that. We are, there are no, we are totally like, human. Now it's just our, now it's just our humans with our very human faces. Uh, and Katie doing the thing where she's like, no, 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 wait, I want to see where this is going. When they, <laughs> that's before they pretty that, great. That's yeah. It's pretty great. Then the, the voice work on those two characters is just absolutely hilarious. Yes. Too. Fred Armisen <laughs> and Beck Bennett. Fred Armisen plays Deborah Bot, and then Beck Bennett plays Eric and every other Palmax robot. So okay, nice. The way that the two of them interact with each other, the way they're so quick with just mm-hmm. being funny, just the way they are. Oh my god, it's sort of they, a classic comedy me. team kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, again, kind of like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of team yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. But there's also a nice reminder here, uh, a little interchange here with with Rick and Linda and then with Katie and Aaron, um, where Rick just says, I just don't want to see her get hurt, which is a very dad thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a very parent thing all in all. You want your Absolutely. kids to be happy. You want them to be safe. You don't want them to get hurt, of course, right? And then... Linda's response, well, getting hurt is part of life. And the thing is, as parents, we all know that. But at but the same time... you don't want your kids time, to experience Exactly. Any <laughs> you want your kids to avoid it if you yeah. can. It's like, I've been through this. I'd... But the thing is, it, that's what it comes down to, is you just got to figure it out for yourself sometimes. And it's the same story for generation after generation, and yep. we all have the pain. We all have the screw ups and we're all going to get hurt. Probably doing the same kinds of screw ups that our parents did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, and that, the that they told changes. us they, that they told us not to. There's we're still going to do it. Yeah. No matter how much the world changes and how much you feel like you drift apart, you know, in terms of, you know, like, like Rick and Katie growing up in the totally different generations, doing things a totally different way. It's still kind of the same story. You know, you, yeah. you don't always succeed at everything that you want to do. And uh, what he says, a uh, you know, failure hurts kid. But I mean, That's it's, right. it's true. It's, it does, but it's also a part of growing up and learning and adapting and adjusting and, being stronger as a person yeah that's right and and, you know it's this conversation is sort of built on when they find out that there is a kill code and you know where to go you know if they go to the (laughs) mall they'll be able to do the kill code what is it the mall of the globe right yeah it's the mall of the globe it's just an interesting thing from like obviously mall of america America, now it's now it's the mall of the globe the entire world it's kind of similar yeah, it's kind of the same thing large. as Molly, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Pal has a chip in every little machine. Yes. Refrigerators, toasters, yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, even before that, though, it's just, it's just building up on that, I don't want to see him get hurt, that sort of thing. It's just, 
where Rick is like, we're not going out there. It's too dangerous. We're playing it safe. And then Katie reminds him that they don't play it safe. safe. I mean, they bring in the rabid possum and the story, all these great (laughs) stories that she has is fantastic. You know, they're trying to emulate the posies, but it's like, they don't need to be the posies because they're the Mitchells, you know? And I love that is sort of the theme of it. Um, it's like that robots montage music yeah. and then their <laughs> montage is them making peanut butter sandwiches I think that is just hilarious yes <laughs> <laughs> cutting it up into quarters yes, yes exactly <laughs> just like a mom would <laughs> well uh, even before the robots get there too there's still some great little uh, moments that are again so real for families with similar kind of dynamics like because the dad decides to cancel her plane ticket to, to get, leave for college and take a right. whole family road trip. And right. of course, everything always ends up in disaster. But I love the, just the little moments with them in the car, like the awkwardness of trying to connect, but doing it in the wrong way. Yeah. And just trying over and over again and just still, like you said, just keep missing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, like when he tries to um, bring up the uh, the CD of them doing like a little talent show sing along together and and katie is like oh, i'm too old for this dad and so yes <laughs> Maya. Maya. Oh. <laughs> okay sorry i had to do it it's just one of those things that watching this movie is all just all those little interactions that are very they just really got you know the the realness of them that I was I was really impressed with all the robot stuff in this movie is a lot of fun but mostly what you focus on is this arc of the family coming together that's exactly right mm-hmm. and it, it, when they get to the mall and there's great sort of action sequences put into this but the heart yeah. of it the core of it is just that they succeed because they're unique and they succeed as a unit though, too. It's not, they're, they're sort of like better together, but because they're all weird, yeah. you know, because <laughs> the they posies... have these weird little quirks that end up mm-hmm. becoming very useful in their exactly. journey <laughs> to yeah, stop well, the, the robots. That's right. The posies get captured and just like everybody else, but somehow the Mitchells managed to outsmart it all just because they are, so different they think so differently than anybody else would Uh, and that's sort of the beautiful thing about it the posies seem like they're the perfect family but then they also seem like the most boring family yeah though i got the the, the little girl is pretty funny she is cute (laughs) they're talking about like feathers on the dinosaurs and stuff like that yeah is really and and aaron's like yeah look at this pencil topper do you want one too no, I hate dinosaurs. I hate you. <laughs> Sorry, I just, he just runs away. He's I love so the way funny. he does that. <laughs> he runs so right funny. into the wall. <laughs> the Mitchells are more relatable, though, as a family. Yeah, they are. How many how many families do you know that are more like that? That Absolutely. have weird little inside jokes and stuff with each other, and the way that they talk to each other. You don't know too many families like the Posies. I know more families like the Mitchells, where it's like you feel like you come into a whole different world. Honestly, you know, I you... don't really feel like <laughs> families like the Posies actually exist. I think that's yeah. part of the point too. Is it's true? Is it's a facade? It's not a reality. Yeah. 
But they're still, for some reason, the one that everyone always strives to want to be like. Yeah. Because that only shows the good sides and doesn't show the messy side like the Mitchells do. Right. Now, I got to say something here because the line that got me, I was just laughing, was after they fight the Furbies and shut down all of the machines in the mall and stuff like that, Linda says, I'm a first grade teacher. This is a normal day for me. It's like, (laughs) yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, I don't know what the context is, but I have a line here that I wrote down from Pal. I forgot she was angry about something. the pal phone yeah and she says place me on the table i wish to flop around in a blind rage yes i like that a lot okay pick me up (laughs) that's great stuff those furbies are terrifying you're right they are (sighs) they are and this is when eric and deborah butt become part of the family too yeah because linda saves her life yeah and says you are our mother now Uh, yes so i love that Then Rick, I think, I think it's Rick, who says sort of what the heart of the movie is. It's like, we've always been weird, and that's what makes us great. I believe this bunch of weirdos is humanity's best hope. So let's get weird. And that is the heart of the movie. That's weird. That's exactly what it is all about. And, you know, they head to the headquarters of the place. Whoa, it looks like a Journey album cover. What's an album? (laughs) I wrote that down, too. I like that. Uh, But this is where they dress up like the robots, which I think is pretty funny. Well, before that, too, that's when um, Linda shows Katie, like, the cabin that Rick had built by hand for them to live in. And kind of just showing, too, that, you know, he has a creative side, too. Yeah. But he gave it all up because of because of Katie, you know, and I think when she sees that video, that's a really beautiful scene when yeah. they're looking at the old video and um, he's just kind of looking at the house and it has the sold sign. And he... because he wanted to, like, live in a cabin in, in mm-hmm. the woods, you know, because like, he's a big nature person. And exactly. Person. But then they had Katie, obviously, uh-huh. and they have to maybe provide something a little bit different for her i don't know maybe that life wasn't good with a small child i don't really know exactly well linda says i know this is hard for you and he just turns and says no it's easy and he goes to to looking at katie yeah i know i love that moment it's a beautiful moment and so it says but we're gonna take a little memento so he grabs the wooden moose Mm -hmm. off the sort of null post and that's sort of a beautiful thing. You know what it reminded me of? There's a great episode of The Simpsons, the one that actually gets me sort of teary. It's a flashback episode Uh where I'll try not to take too long on the plot here, but um, they have two kids, you know, at this point in this flashback episode, and they they become financially secure, essentially. So they have paid off the house, et cetera, et cetera. Homer leaves the power plant, burns all his bridges, like – takes yells at the boss and everything like that. Um, They have him literally driving out and actually burn a bridge. It's really funny. And (laughs) then he goes to work in a bowling alley. It's like his dream job of all time. And, but then he finds out that Marge is pregnant with Maggie. So they're going to have another baby and the bowling alley is not going to be enough to support them. So he ends up, literally crawling back to Mr. Burns and Mr. Burns puts up a sign in front of his 
uh, station at the power plant that says, don't forget you're here forever. Okay. So what he does, the whole setup of this is there are no pictures of Maggie in their photo family photo album. This is, well, I keep those where I really need them. And it goes back to the power. I'm getting, I'm actually getting choked up. (laughs) He has placed the pictures of Maggie on this sign. So it says, do it for her. And it is just, (laughs) it is just like the most powerful, beautiful thing in this, you know, crazy over the top television show. Yeah. And this totally reminded me of that. It's like, yeah. I'm I'm giving up this thing that I love dearly because this uh. is more important to me. And I think that is such a, a, a beautiful kind of illustration. And, and then at the same time, you know, Rick's been captured and he sees the dog cop video <laughs> and, and sees how great it is. And, and that th- the creator of Pal has knows yeah. about and has been watching and is impressed right. by, you know. Yeah. So that's a big deal for Katie and for, for Rick to see her talent be recognized. And it, it's finally that what they're talking about, the seeing things from each other's perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's through these this media, you know. Yeah. I think well, yeah, it's really what the cabin cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the cabin also kind of shows the um, the connection that they have too. Because what Linda says is that you know he was a bit of an artist himself. He just did it in a different way. Yeah, you know he builds you know things physically with his hands. You know, right. and carved that little what is that a pig or something? No, it's a moose. It's a moose. A moose. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how did I miss that. You okay. know how moose says no. "I love you." Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched this yesterday. How did I don't know. I forgot. That. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, again, the differences in the generations and finding out that we're really not that much different. We just do things in a different way with the changing of the technology. You know, they're both very creative and create things out of nothing. Yeah. Just in a different way. Yeah. I think my favorite line. Bring them closer together. That's right. (laughs) Then I think my favorite line of the movie happens where Bowman says, uh, just want someone to know, you know, I'm sorry I caused the robot apocalypse. <laughs> says, and I, I wrote this down because I wanted to get it exactly. It's almost like stealing people's data and giving it to a hyper-intelligent AI as part of an unregulated tech, tech monopoly was a bad thing. Um, that's just fun. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, obviously that's a swipe at Facebook and sure. things like that. But it's very Any funny. Any of these apps, really. Yeah. But we sort of, we voluntarily hit that agree button, you know, and say, hey, yeah, do what I you will. want. Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, hey, that's the world we live in, I guess. One of my favorite aspects of a, mem- a member of this family realizing their full potential, though, is Linda. Yes. <laughs> This is like one of the best things ever because at one point, Aaron, she sees Aaron get uh, trapped in one of the little, get captured in one of the little cubes that they put all the humans in to send off to space. And I absolutely love how it's, it's kind of a, a play on the fact that, you know, 
moms can be really fucking scary when yes. you mess with their kids, <laughs> but in the, the absolute best way because she, she becomes like a samurai. She, she becomes like a, she goes kill Bill on those robots, yeah. and it is fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely love it. I think I think it is Kill Bill because there's a lot of like there's a couple she, of them because they use the, the music they use the music yeah. and and also you know the <laughs> shot of them uh, leaving the mall while it's on fire is yeah. is the dun dun dun, dun, dun. Know, music <laughs> yeah, so it's good there's a lot of really cool stuff I, and I think ultimately you know when they're showing a couple of things where obviously Linda has her moment of sort of metamorphosis, but mm-hmm. also the fact that he's using the computer, mm-hmm. um, you know, to find the yub tub video. <laughs> I think that's you too. You too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty funny, but type in www. <laughs> right. And then it's like, change that to Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It's good. Well, I mean, and then the robots see that he's using a computer, Red-faced anger man is using a computer. Is it possible to change your programming? I thought that because was we great. lose we lose Eric and Depperbot for a little bit. Yeah, but then they come back. They come back. <laughs> Thank yeah. goodness, because they get be taken over. The yeah, they get taken over. <laughs> but they see that he had changed his programming, so they bring their cha- their programming back to what they want it to be. They choose yes to not conform. Yeah, another another sort of deep element there, <laughs> yeah. which which I think is John and Mary in Wally. Oh God, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And where she does, I'm not just, I'm not just a human. I'm a Mitchell. That's right. <laughs> the the uniqueness of it all. Well, and then there's like a lot of good stuff too because. Pal keeps asking, you know, like, why should we save the humans? Like, what good ultimately do they bring to the world? And, mm-hmm. um, well, she says at one point too, like, we're better off alone because relationships are too difficult. Yeah, and that's actually a good point, you know, that mm-hmm. that Pal comes up with. But, you know, that's part of being human. Yeah, it's difficult, but those are just the kind of the things that you have to go through to fully be human and to. You know, it's how yeah. you learn about other people and about yourself. And we're better you know. in relationships than without them. Yeah. 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 Families are hard, but they're worth fighting for, like Katie says. <laughs> There's, and a... I think that that can be about any kind of family too, whether mm-hmm. it's your, you know, your true biological family or whatever kind of found family that you create for yourself in your life. Yeah. It applies to both of those. They're hard, but ultimately, those kind of relationships are, yeah, they're absolutely worth fighting for. Yeah. Just the message of this movie at the core is just uh-huh. be you, be weird, be <laughs> together. Um, Accept everybody for their weirdness. Yeah. And then the posies even say, is that our weird neighbor saving the world? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> You've inspired me yeah. to follow you on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't already following me? <laughs> Then I line. love the running gag of tricking Rick Mitchell into kissing the dog. Yes, and it's brought, up, brought back at the end because they, 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 she looks like Katie is is like severely injured or dead. And they well, they also a really funny up. image of her they're them killing Pal. Yeah. She just ends up in a glass of water. In water. 
Exactly. <laughs> that killed me. That's that. really funny. Well, it bounces off the dog's face. It's yeah, because she was aiming for the pool, pool, but it bounces off the dog's face and lands in just a glass of water. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. But when they show Katie, yeah. you know, and it looks like it's going to be this big dramatic moment, like she's <laughs> about to die or something like that. And then she just comes closer. <laughs> Then she pulls the dog out and the dog licks it. It's very, very funny. It's very yeah. funny. It's just great. And, yeah, it you know, is. then obviously, you know, several months later, the world is being rebuilt and they'd take her to college. And um, This is where I got a little teary here mm-hmm. is this little epilogue with, um, you know, going back to school and actually finally saying goodbye to them again. Yeah. And, they have a big group hug thing and she's like, Mom, like you're hugging me too tight and she's like, You love it, you love it and Katie's yeah. just like I do love it. I, <laughs> I love like, No. Stop. Do you know what I love what she I love what she says to Aaron? Don't let the world make you normal while I'm away. Yeah. And just the fact that she is out there in public with her peers around her being weird with her family, doing her the moose family. call with mm-hmm. her dad, you know, and not being embarrassed by them, which I think before all of this at the beginning of the movie, she would have been. Yes. You know, she's no, not she anymore. She certainly would have been. Yeah. I think that's, that was a really good thing too. Cause they, they do the whole like moose thing and yeah. she's not, it's not even phased. They even show like other people in the background kind of looking at them weird, but she obviously doesn't care anymore, which is exactly. so good. It was just perfect. Yeah, and they, because they saved the world, they're on the cover right. of a magazine, and so there's well, just, the they're element famous. of fame is just kind of funny. It's like, oh, we're being given the Congressional Medal of Honor. It's like, do we want to take a plane, or, you know, they end up taking the road trip with... Nope, another family road trip. Yeah, with, with the robots, too, as part of the uh, family. Of course. Linda is their mother now. <laughs> this movie just gets better every time I watch it. I actually got emotional when they're flying on the backs of the robots. You know, it's sort of like mm-hmm. a big action sequence and says, you know, play the music. Our song. Yeah. yeah, play the song. And so they kind of start singing along with it. I was like, why am I getting this is funny and <laughs> nutty. And why am I getting kind of emotional about this right now? Because that's the sort of final moment of Katie and Rick sort of having that that bond sort of healed yeah and i think that's finally coming together yeah well and also i also love when he's like watching her drive the car it's like oh what i told her actually did get through to her (laughs) my daughter listened to me yeah (laughs) stuff like that it's there's so many moments i mean we've already talked for an hour about this movie and we were gonna keep it tight we gotta get going to the next one (laughs) uh yeah we actually have a time limit today we don't usually have a time limit but we do today so i'm sorry well don't blame me blame the school that my kids play in the band for so (laughs) schools uh plural so yeah yeah. i think we hit the important parts of this movie yeah um which is like we kept been saying the family and the the arc that they have the way that they're so separated at the beginning but you know that there's still that bond underneath and they finally find it great movie great movie and i think more people should be sure to check it out hey it's on netflix most people have netflix (laughs) you can check this out for you know however much you spend on your netflix (laughs) there There you go. go 
<laughs> and now for one of the greatest movies ever made. Out there, there's a world outside of Yonkers. Way out there beyond this hick town, Barnaby. There's a slick town, Barnaby. Out there, full of shine and full of sparkle. Close your eyes and see it. Listen, Barnaby. Listen, Barnaby. Put on your Sunday clothes, there's lots of world out there. Get out the brilliant teen and dime cigars. We're gonna find adventure in the evening air. Girls in white in a perfume night with the lights are bright as the stars. Put on your Sunday clothes, we're gonna ride through town. In one of those new horse-drawn open cars. Which I'm becoming more and more convinced of that yes. fact the more I watch it. This, Molly! Yeah, this movie, when it first came out, I, um, I wanted to see it. I thought Pixar was really interesting up to this point. Um, I particularly liked Monsters, Inc., as I recall, and Toy Story. Um, so uh, at this I still point... Like Toy Story. This this first uh, round of Pixar movies, I mean, they were just kind of batting a thousand, you know. Um, you know, some were better than others. I think that uh, Toy Story was a real breakthrough, and then Bugs Life is fine. And um, then I think they did Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo. And it was just kind of like everything was really going well. And apparently they had had this conversation after toy story was a hit and they said, okay, mm-hmm. we got to come up with what we're going to do next. And so they discussed those movies that I just mentioned with the exception of toy story two. That was sort of a different thing. I think cars was in there, but the last one they talked about was a story of a robot <laughs> whose task it was to clean up garbage on earth and he was the last of his kind. And it was going to be a love story. <laughs> first of all, this is one of the only ones of the first round that I didn't see in the theater. And I will never forgive my wife for this fact. <laughs> I got to tell this story. Okay. <laughs> we had just had our second child. And my wife was a stay-at-home mom at that time. And was, you know, watching a lot of kids' movies. I'm pretty sure she was watching Toy Story and Cars on repeat uh, by the time we got to this. And so we had a night to go see a movie. The choices were Wally, which was what I wanted to see. And then she said, I really want to see a grown up movie. Sure. Can we go see <laughs> X Files? I want to believe instead, <laughs> which is a f- okay movie is what it is. But it's not a big screen movie. It's not a movie you need to see on the right. big screen. Wally in the theater I think would have been really yeah. something, especially some of the cuz this was something up till then they hadn't really done. I mean there's these massive sweeping overhead shots, the space sequences mm. and everything. It's just so vast. Well, I mean, just that shot of him as he's on the ship 
you know, going towards the axiom. And yes. Putting his hand up in the, the whatever that is, the comet the, tail or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. The that's such ring a of cool the planet. Sh- yeah. That would have looked so cool on the big screen. Yeah. Little did she know this is actually a grown up movie, too. I know. And that <laughs> was the animated. thing. Yeah. That was fascinating about it because we saw it on, and then when we saw it on video, we're like, she even was like, oops. <laughs> because this was something and she she knows this i'm not speaking out of school here Um, but just from the first moment where you're just seeing space and the hello dolly music uh Mm. out there and then we see earth and we catch our first glimpse of him just rolling along well the contrast too of what the song is kind of singing is so like happy and and Mm. joyous and life or whatever and yet we were cut we're shooting down from space to earth like through all of the trash yeah that we have caused in outer friggin space is trashed you know and then going down and just seeing a brown desolate dusty dirty earth covered with huge skyscraper tall trash piles i was immediately into the movie from that you know because i wasn't really even really sure what this movie was about Mm -hmm. i think when i um i because i only saw it because it was on my discoveries list from last year i only saw it for the first time last year and uh yeah i i was into it because of Wally because he's freaking adorable and I love him but the commentary in this movie is I think a big part of what makes it really special yeah and you can see it in that very first shot absolutely and then and mm. I mean and it's not here, here's what I think so you kind of told me that the filmmaker said oh we didn't really mean it to be this big you know that might not have been the initial concept <laughs> the way I was reading it yeah, yeah I, I mean but I, I'm like there, there's clearly, I mean, it doesn't feel like it has an axe to grind, though. It's just, it's just sort of, yeah. it's not preachy about it so much necessarily, but there is this idea. Because when we're starting out at, right at the beginning, you see so much conveyed in just the images of mm-hmm. like stuff on the floor. Like it says, um, you know, the global CEO, you know, the picture of Fred Willard as the CEO of the <laughs> essentially Walmart that has gone global sure. <laughs> and, and become this gargantuan thing called by and large that yeah. essentially runs the world or it's like by and large supermarket bank everything yeah the, it's this corporation that runs the world i mean you can't tell me this movie's not political i'm sorry you just can't <laughs> no, tell me that and but i mean it's just like too much trash just that tabloid on the ground and then the little things that you know too much garbage in your face. There's plenty of space out in space, you know, and mm-hmm. the Wally robots showing the what they do. And there are these massive towers of squares of garbage that are taller than the tallest buildings, skyscrapers where he's at. Uh, I, it appears to be New York City. Uh, I would think so. Yeah. Sure. I, I mean, there's a lot conveyed in that opening. But oh, yeah. w- Wally is really the heart of this, of course, because he kind of loves his work. <laughs> he has <laughs> well, a purpose. He's a robot. And he's, he's... curious. <laughs> well, he's developed some sentience here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Being alone. Well, and you, and you think, too, so they apparently, like, send all these people into space just for five years, they thought, so that the Wally robots could clean up the Earth. 
while they were gone. That apparently didn't work out. So however long it took for the other robots, you know, to stop working, you know, how long has Wally really been by himself on Earth? That's what I I hadn't really thought of before. Like the humans have been away for 700 years. Right. So it's very possible that Wally's been alone for hundreds of years. Yes. Well, and the thing is, he's probably almost none of his original parts are still (laughs) him. You know what I mean? So he's probably, you know, replaced himself bit by bit, you know, to survive. I I find that sort of an interesting idea. Yeah. We see him like taking shoes, you know, because his little, uh, I don't know what they are. Rollers, (laughs) his wheels. The roller things, things, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Takes them from other like uh, defunct robots, and he keeps a little stash of eyes and stuff whenever yeah. something of him breaks down. Ugh. Yeah, Wally is so cute. I'm sorry, I don't know how I'm gonna not just say, "Oh my god, everything he does is so freaking cute," <laughs> especially in this first part of the movie when it's just Wally and Eve on Earth. Which yeah, you know, we've said it before in the previous episode that's like the best part of the movie. Yeah, is like this first thirty minutes. Which it's it's still great once they get on the axiom. Sure, I love the whole movie, but this is like I think where the big heart of the movie is. Yeah, and here's one of the things that I found interesting was I used to watch. This was back when Ebert and Richard Roper were had their show together, and they were talking about how. Uh, this movie's great. I don't know how much kids are going to like it because of this whole silent sequence. I mean, it's so long. Mm-hmm. It's 30 minutes. When we showed this to my kids, they were pretty young when they saw it, too. It must have been, you know, Caleb must have been four. Yeah. He was completely enthralled by the first 30 minutes. And when the people showed up, that's when he was kind of like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to. Yep. I'm going to go do something else. So I just think that's a fascinating thing because I, I don't I don't think we can underestimate what kids are going to be entertained by, and Pixar knew that. I mean, I, I I like that Pixar doesn't at least in a lot of their best movies they don't underestimate the intelligence of their audience. Sure. Yeah. Because like Up has another one like that where yeah. it, and it's only four minutes, but it's still like I show that to like fifth and sixth graders that four minute sequence of up and they get it entirely. And some of them even like break down in tears, which fifth grader to cry. I, I did. You know, it's like <laughs> when I first yeah, watched it doesn't happen. But anyway, and Wally does the same thing too. Like he, the way that they gave him so much personality and we're able to convey, you know, everything that this little robot has been through this whole time. You know, you know what his day to day routine is. He still does his job. You know? Yes. I love I love the way that, you know, when he you know wakes up in the morning and kind of sighs before he has to go out to work, you know, like they do all that stuff so well. And the way that he watches Hello, Dolly on the screen, mm-hmm. he find he found the little hubcap earlier. You know, you know exactly what he's doing. He's trying to emulate what he's seeing and he wants he sees that there are more than one of this kind of person you know on this thing that he's watching where he's it's just been him he's it's, there's a big thing about loneliness and at the beginning of this movie too yes. um so you you know exactly what he's longing for for this whole movie is he just wants to hold hands with somebody which kind of right. kills me you know 
and they know exactly like what to do, like just with the design of him and the way that he moves to mm-hmm. um, the way that his eyes, you know, kind of droop, you know, mm-hmm. up and down, you know, that that's a very simple thing, but it absolutely conveys the emotion that they're trying to get out of the, uh, this thing that's not supposed to have any emotions you know exactly and i would have add the voice acting oh absolutely Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. uh, ben burt the designer of the sound for star wars indiana jones jurassic park all kinds of sort of iconic movies of the 70s and 80s in particular 90s he's the voice of wally and mo and you know, he also R2-D2, a, a lot of what he did was just his voice fed into that machine uh, to, you know, and altered in a way to yeah. make this happen. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's just sort of the perfection of that uh, kind of thing, you know. It's sort of yeah. the perfection of what he did with R2-D2 and taken to a new level. And... It's just beautiful, and the way that uh, Melissa, Alyssa Knight, who does Eve, is is really beautiful as well. Um, yeah. And the only human voices in this are Jeff Garland as the captain, Fred Willard, of course, who's actually yeah. seen on screen, which is one of the weird things about the movie. He's actually a human image um, is involved in this. Uh, John Ratzenberger. I never thought that was weird. Yeah, then John Ratzenberger, of course, is John, and Kathy Najimi is Mary. Mary, And yeah. Sigourney Weaver as the ship's voice, which I didn't realize until I what? looked at this. Yes. She's the <laughs> ship. She's the ship's voice. She's not Otto. She's the ship's voice. Oh, like saying, like, the Lido deck is now yeah, closed? Yeah, so, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't recognize that. Try all. blue. Nice. It's the new red. <laughs> the new red. Yeah. Um, so well, even I, before Eve gets there and all Wally really says, you hear him humming, which I love mm-hmm. when he like comes home from work, you know, and he's like, da, 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 da. <laughs> right. and even when all he has to say is like, oh, and huh? Like, yeah, yeah the way that he, Whoa. I can absolutely see why kids would be fascinated by this. Uh-huh. Uh, more than just the same stuff that they've seen over and over again, you know, just because they knew exactly how to tap into the way that he's animated and the voice acting, like it, you absolutely understand everything that you don't need dialogue. No. So uh, that's just the, the talent that was behind this movie. It's fascinating. And one of the things I was realizing on this watch that I essentially think that Wally is in many ways, Buster Keaton, he has sort of a physicality like that, um, but he just sort of takes everything in stride. You know, he's kind of <laughs> the old stone-faced uh, kind of thing. That was one thing that I wanted to do. I didn't get a chance to, but I, um, I haven't actually seen any uh, silent films or anything. That was one yeah. thing I was thinking of while I was uh, re-watching this. Was I think like a silent movie would pay really well with Wally. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see it. I wanted to see like how that would kind of play, you know, being able to read emotions just through action. Yeah, and if I was to put a pairing with this, I think I've been watching a lot of Buster Keaton short films, and mm-hmm. I think that they're if you you know just pick one, just pick a <laughs> Buster Keaton movie, you can't really go wrong. To be honest with you, 
I think there's a lot to be said for what we see in this in a Buster Keaton. I think even more than Chaplin or something like that. But though there's sort of the romantic element of Chaplin is in this as well. You know, something like a City Lights sort of thing. But hey, there are romantic elements in, in Keaton as well. So I'm just personally sort of partial to Buster Keaton, I guess. I think that the cockroach, the inclusion of the cockroach, who's not named in the movie, but apparently on the Wikipedia, the cockroach's name is Hal, uh-huh. which will come up. Yes, it, uh, all of that's going to come up later. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just uh, the fact that as many times as this cockroach gets like run over and blown up just and stuff, it's, it's, back, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a funny thing about cockroaches, but <laughs> you know, that they, they survive, they've survived everything throughout the millennia, you know? Yeah. And Twinkies. <laughs> and, the fact, and Twinkies, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's Wally's first little friend is the is Hal the cockroach. Yeah. I think their relationship is very cute. <laughs> like when he tells him to like stay home. Yeah, <laughs> you know I love how curious uh, Wally is. You know, finding all these little treasures and saving them in his cooler. His little backpack cooler. Yeah, yeah. his little backpack cooler. He, anything that he finds interesting, you know, he'll put into mm-hmm. the cooler. And I love you know like he finds the engagement ring and he throws the ring away because it's but he likes the box because it flips right. around yeah it it's very cute you know and he picks up the the car keys and he hits the fob and, it, and there's the sound of the alarm <laughs> the beep <laughs> it's pretty funny um the, put, the putting, the bra, bra, course, <laughs> putting the bra putting the bra on his face um, whoa what is that thing called the the paddle paddle ball thing that you're uh-huh. with too yeah. that's adorable <laughs> The, the fire extinguisher. The fire extinguisher, and he throws it away. Which comes back. <laughs> yeah, but that comes back. Yeah. He learns how to use the fire extinguisher. One of the things that I was reading, too, like one of the themes of this movie is um, basically because of his treasures and his little collections that he's got in his house is about nostalgia. Hmm. I guess human nostalgia for like these little trinkets of our life that they're also adding to the problem that this movie is yeah talking about like overconsumption and like overconsumerism and but i get i kind of get that too because it's these like little man-made things that don't really mean anything but they are just kind of like a reminder of what life was like you know and in, in that time and that's completely gone from the way that the earth is now mm-hmm. as, as it is where wally is but I also get that it's also about overconsumption because that's just something that I've been thinking about a lot too. Like one thing that I've been doing the past few months is like getting rid of a lot of things in my home because yeah. I don't want to contribute as much to the overconsumption and just when you think about it and just this movie and thinking about like just fast fashion and all that kind of stuff, you know, that's, it's really contributing to us getting to the point of Wally eventually, you know, yeah. where there's too much trash. Mm-hmm. We've we've advanced a lot and we've created all this stuff, but then like, what do we do with it? All this stuff, yeah, that we've made. It's only gonna. It's only hurting our world. It's true. Yeah, the, I, Wally. There's something. The element of curiosity with him, though, it's mm-hmm. almost like finding these interesting things is one of the things that has enabled him to survive, you know, but he yeah. doesn't keep everything, you know, he, th- he the other stuff he just 
throws away, you know, or puts in this little compactor and is Mm -hmm. building his little boxes out of. So he's building, you know, more of this stuff. But he's also, he's just keeping those certain things that he deems valuable um, that matter to him. I don't know that he needs 50 lighters, but they're they're interesting to him. You know, they're, they're sort of fascinated by fire, I think, is kind of one of the things that's interesting. Yeah. The image of two robots being fascinated by fire, like the height of human creation, of, you know, robots. Mm-hmm. And then like the first thing that humans right. created, I thought was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's created, a good point. But found. Yeah. You know? Found, yeah. Just sort of discovered yeah. how it worked. Yeah. that's And that's a callback because essentially we see from the ending, they're essentially starting over from the primitive mm-hmm. place when they return to Earth. Um, you know, I love the the cave drawings and stuff like that at the end sure. I think is really, really neat. It's just sort of a bonus. It's sort of this little cherry on top of this perfect kind of film. And you have that. The little epilogue. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. During the credits. Yeah. So Eve. When Eve shows up, he finally has an opportunity for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that I find really funny about Eve is she's like this ultra powerful weapon, <laughs> as well, you know, um, so she could totally blow up anything. And I, I, I don't the know. The image of Wally like chattering and scared and being like, ah. yeah, when she first uses her little rocket arm. Yeah, but he's also kind of completely enthralled by her. Of course, right from the beginning. I mean, it's love at first sight. Yeah. Why would Yeah. (laughs) You know, is she a manic pixie dream girl? I don't know. Don't tell me someone's made that argument. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. The thing about the, I think the, the, in some criticism, pretty much any time a man is enthralled by a woman, it's, oh, because she's a manic pixie dream girl. And I don't think that's true. I don't buy that. I don't buy that criticism. And I don't think that's the case here. But, you know, the, the, it's sort of this beautiful little... Is, is he, well, but she is, shows... Is, is, I, I imagine there are probably some people saying, oh, Wally's a stalker. It's like, come on. Stop. Give me a break. But what I love, too, is that um, Eve, in her first appearance here, she shows that she is just like Wally and that she has her own personality, too, because mm-hmm. she's watching for when the ship leaves is when she kind of finally um is like free and she goes on a little joyride i love that part the, the i little, love that part yeah <laughs> breaks the sound barrier just for kids <laughs> you know um, well and you see and she's, she's you see how powerful too. and modern she is mm-hmm. uh compared to sort of sleek and clean compared to wally um very advanced technology that he is not even close to she's way out of his league as it were um <laughs> It's they sort of made them the uh, the robot versions of like the garbage man and the CEO of a major corporation. Sure, love, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, it's good. And I mean, it's sort of a classic uh, scenario. But you know, the old fashioned sensibility of this movie is kind of what grounds it, though, because it is kind of like an old movie. You know, whether it's the mm-hmm. silent film or uh, just the central classic romantic comedy core of it you know it it sort of keeps it centered and grounded and 
familiar enough to be able to explore these other ideas in the process. And these like scenes of them, quote unquote, getting to know each other a little bit is he's kind of following her around with Le'Veon Rose playing in the mm-hmm. background. And mm-hmm. I love when he builds a little sculpture of her. <laughs> Right. She completely ignores it. Kind of shakes her head. <laughs> well, he does that thing where he kind of like kicks his foot or whatever. And he hits the the pipes that <laughs> fall over and land on him. Just more of Wally being cute. <laughs> and again, that's sort of the Buster Keaton thing, you know. Uh-huh. But eventually, you know, when she it's the dust storm and you know the the directive thing, you know, I guess is the first thing where they yeah. share share their names with each other. They learn then, each other's names. Yeah. The dust storm comes up and he takes her home um, and shows her all those things. That's a cute little scene, you know. Like I she, love that so much. <laughs> like she fixes the, uh, she solves the Rubik's Cube and she turns on the light bulb. Um, <laughs> it's like, what? No, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I love that. And I love when he gives her the bubble wrap. The and, bubble wrap. You know, shows, shows her how it works. Pop. You pop. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my then, favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love the, the dancing thing, you know, where she mm. tries the spinning and she, <laughs> bong, bong, she, she knocks him into the side. Of, well, and here's the thing. You know, when she knocks him into the side of the truck, it's sort of this great gag and it's funny, but then we see his process for how he fixes himself. You know, mm-hmm. and it's essentially showing her how to do it, too, which comes back later because he falls out. You know, he's got the smashed eye. He sees he's yeah. got all of the stuff. He puts the new eye on. Then he does his little motions where one up, one down, the yeah. zoom in, zoom out on each eye, um, which is how we know he's him yeah. at the end of the movie. Um, exactly. It's so... Uh, it's it's just really well done storytelling. And again, like showing all of this, this growing um, relationship or friendship, at least at first here between, you know, these robots who like we, we kind of learn going on the axiom that like maybe a lot of the other robots have a little bit more sentience than than they should. But they have real personality and curiosity and they're not yeah. just. They're not only there for their, you know, directive. Right. Whatever they, they, they like to, to learn about each other. And again, like being able to do that with hardly any dialogue. Yeah. Just with action. And but no, you even, can kind of, you can do you ever like kind of maybe make your own dialogue sure. for them when you watch this? Sure. Sure. <laughs> like well, this is what they would be saying to each other. Like, no, 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 you don't do that. Or when like, she's about to shoot like uh, the, the big mouth bass thing. That's sure. Being, he's like, no, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> I like that. That's one of my treasures. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the robots on the Axiom because even when they get to the Axiom, it still doesn't have that much dialogue. It's mm-hmm. John and Mary. It's the captain and Otto. And that's about it. Everything else is visual still. Uh, you know, a lot of it is. Yeah, I mean, there are the announcements of the ship's computer and stuff like that. But overall, there's only so much stuff. I mean, a lot of it is just sort of background noise. Like, uh, but I mean, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> I, I love what, when she shuts down. Um, it's when she gets the plant and she shuts mm-hmm. down. 
that scene is really sweet because it's like he's taking care of her this whole time, protecting her from the dust storms, um, seeing if he can figure out how to wake her up, hurting himself in the process. But he's just like... Because yeah. he thinks that there's something wrong with her. That yeah. He to wake her up like the way he does, you know, when he you know, powers himself up with the sun. Yeah. It's like this matters to me to protect her and i want my friend back too i I think is of course part of it i love the part where he tries to hold her hand while they're on the bench watching the sunset (laughs) and the closes down on his hand he tries to get it off and he falls over and he runs to the lamppost and the light bulb falls on his head in the last second i think that's really funny it's so good and and again taking her for taking her for walks with the string of lights. All of that is so Buster Keaton. Yes. Uh, and it's wonderful. The string of lights on, is a beautiful thing. Going on a boat ride on the tire. On the tire. Like whatever, the whatever oil kind of or whatever. It's really yeah. gross. Yeah. That last day, though, where he just leaves her and he goes back to work, he like has no purpose at all mm-hmm. to do this right now. It's sweet and it's sad. Um then he sees a rocket come back and he just runs back to her is it is it's beautiful and because again it's you can you definitely get the theme of the loneliness that he's been experiencing yeah. this whole time and like finally finding that little connection which is probably all he's been looking for all these years like the risk of losing it is incredibly sad yes and he doesn't want to let go of it so bad that he literally holds on to the side of a rocket yeah. to hold on to it, to protect her from what he perceives, at least, as danger to her. And yeah. who knows how far they've been out in space at this point, how far away they are, how long that trip is back to the Axiom. But I love that he's just so full of wonder and, well, and looking he's still at protecting the, the cockroach, telling the cockroach to stay there. To stay there. there. <laughs> and then, of course, he's waiting for him when they come back. Of course. Uh, yeah, which is really cute. Yeah, him traveling through space on the outside of the sp- ship. And he's just like... It's so beautiful. Enthralled by it all. Uh-huh. And here, you know where you're heading. If you've seen the movie, you know that they're sitting in the glory of space... And all of this, they they have parked themselves near a nebula that's just this amazing looking thing. And none of the humans even know it because they're not paying attention. Well, don't they pass by like the moon or something? And this, there's a sign that they're building an outlet mall. Outlet mall on the moon. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Which is just, it's hilarious, but it's also like. Again, it's another one of those things that's not entirely out of the realm right. of possibility of what we would try to do eventually yeah you know? just because we can does that mean we should <laughs> right very jurassic park of it all right uh, um i i love mo i think mo is adorable I love mo. mo is the best <laughs> and he also again he breaks his programming because he's so by the book at first yep. to show him he has to stay on those lighted lines on the floor um and then when wally you know is 100 percent foreign contaminant um, that he has to clean off uh, but he's making the tracks on the floor and he just he jumps off of the line and, and he kind of looks around he's like oh nothing happened I'm not gonna g- blow up or something like that you know because I left this I think is really kind of an interesting little touch too and then he just, just starts the way- cleaning after him 
<laughs> Wally and Mo together when you know he cleans up and then Wally makes another little mark, mark on the floor and then makes a mark on his face. Face, yeah, it's good. <laughs> but it's just throughout the movie too, the way that Wally, just these little interactions that all these different robots and humans have with Wally, yeah, is so important. Just like the purity and not been so inundated with what they've been living with, you know, for 700 years on the Axiom, doing the exact same thing over and over again. No, no creativity, no curiosity. That's yep. what Wally brings onto the ship. Yeah, that's exactly And it changes, right. it, it changes everybody, even in the, the most minute ways. Like I, I love the robot. I call it the secretary robot, which is just a big thing that does something is like in charge of, you know, letting them through the door or whatever. And mm-hmm. Wally just, it teaches it how to wave. Right. <laughs> And you can see a little bit of personality developing in that robot, too, just from that little thing that it learned from Wally. Yeah. And one of the first interaction of the humans is uh, is interesting, because up to this point, we've seen actual filmed human beings. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen the president, by and large. We've seen, you know, the little advertisement that said, you know, and with our all access hover chairs, even grandma can get involved. Um, there's you know, no there's, need to walk. There's no need to walk. <laughs> well, the thing is, so this device that was meant to help disabled people become something that everybody uses and relies on. Because they've been in space for yeah. so long that they've mm-hmm. lost bone density. Yeah. And can't move around as easily. Well, and. And they've had everything done for them. I think that's yep. that's part of the of the issue with why yep. they all become yeah okay they they become obese quite obese in to the point where they can't even walk on their own and it's out of sheer lack of will more than anything and just sheer boredom. I think I think the first they don't have to yeah they don't have to do anything. They've been entertained almost to death. Yep. And I think that is really poignant. Um, the very first interaction between the two humans on the ship is one of my favorite. I think it's, I quote this all the time with my kids and we just sort of laugh mm-hmm. at it. But I think it's really poignant too because yeah. it says, well, why don't we go out and shoot a few virtual balls <laughs> into space? And say, like, no, I, we did that we yesterday. Did I, yesterday. I don't want to do that. Well, what do you want to do? I don't know. Something. That's my favorite mm. line. I love that line. I use that with the kids all the time. It's like, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. Something. It's so. funny, but it's also incredibly true to, yeah. again, something that we've already we talked about, you know, with social media. Like, there's so much to watch and so much to see and so much to do that we were bored. Yeah. And that's really sad. Yeah. And especially with the people on the Axiom, though, is that they're just in these hover chairs. They don't even eat real food anymore. It's all just through a drink uh-huh. or whatever. And they have a screen that's like five yeah. inches in front of their face that they can't see anything else on the ship. Like, we have a pool. Yeah. We have a jogging track. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, and the and- thing is, these two people are, are literally hovering in chairs next to each other, but they're not looking they're at They're not even each looking other. at each other. They're looking at the screen looking- of yeah. each other on the screen. It's like when you text your someone from inside the same house. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. It, <laughs> right. It, 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 it's sort of <laughs> that kind of feeling. And, and I, I'll admit I've done that. Um, sure. But, I mean, and it's, it's a- more like I'm sitting on the couch and I text my wife who's also on the couch. It's more like that. <laughs> and it's it's that point taken to the extreme, yes, yes. Like with this imagery. But it's also 
very true. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. as we said, it's the same thing that's been happening. We're losing our ability to communicate face to face. To we're living inside of our phones and saving these experiences. You know, to take pictures of and video. We're saving it to experience later and not in the moment and not seeing what's in the real world around us yeah. anymore. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, with like they have every luxury in the world on the ship. Anything that they want is here, but nothing is a luxury anymore because it's so easily accessible and they don't have to work for it. Yeah. And like, ironically, they're still being uh, brainwashed by, by and large. Because, right? I mean, the announcements come over the thing that says, by and large, everything you need to be happy. Uh, and then they have these show these little babies in a school and it says Axiom, your home away from home. By and a large, is for Axiom. B is for by and large. Your very best friend. <laughs> and you asked me in your text to me yesterday, <laughs> where did the babies come from? And I, it's how like, did they the get made? Only thing <laughs> exactly. I can assume is that it's like cloning. Or some so sort of I don't of think that they're being made the traditional way. No, because we see that when we see John and Mary's first interaction, that is the first human contact they have ever had. Yeah. When they touch hands, that's probably when the they first touch time hands. they've ever touched another person yeah, yeah. on the ship. Even though there's, the, there's however many people are on yeah, the ship, they're everywhere. Thousands they don't see each in other. there, yeah. It's really... Something. They talk about going on virtual dates and stuff with people, but what kind of relationships are they really forming this way? Yeah, I, I mean, when the per- the people are literally right there, you know, but they they seemingly only have like online right. dating, you know, that's what it seems like is happening. I mean, when they show them on the Lido deck and they're just like clapping their hands, shade umbrella automatically comes over and gives them shade, even though the sun is fake, and it's always the same temperature. Um, it's 72 and balmy all yeah, the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> because that's that's perfection. That's what's going to keep the humans happy and not wanting to leave the ship. Right. And fix their problem. Face their mm-hmm. problem even. Uh, which I think is part of the message of the movie too. Anyway, when Mary actually sees when Wally breaks her... Uh, her screen. Her yeah. screen. And she actually sees what's going on. And this is even all the man-made stuff. Still at this point, she's just like seeing all the signs and everything. And she's going, whoa, what is all this? You yeah. know, uh, it's really it's kind of incredible something. that she's never noticed it before. Yeah. You know? And then that line, I didn't know we had a pool. And she's so yeah. excited about <laughs> this idea. I don't, she knows what it is because, I mean, she's yeah. probably seen it on her screen. But it's like, wait a minute, we have one of those? I can actually physically experience this? Yeah. <laughs> And you can see, too, how the Axiom used to be, like, a luxury cruise liner at first. You know, this is 700 years later. That's probably what it was like, you know, for that first group of people that were there. But now it's devolved into this, which is seemingly so perfect because everything is done for them. They, They have everything that they need. But, again, they're not really experiencing anything real or human. Yeah. And... You know, when when they wake up the captain, 
And it's like, you know, you, you miss, I miss morning announcements. It's the only thing I get to do on this ship. And then he uh-huh. announces that it's the 700th anniversary of their five year cruise. And it says, and I'm sure our forefathers would be happy to know that 700 years later, we're doing pretty much the same thing we were doing, they were doing. But the thing yep. is that they're not. They're not. <laughs> They're not. And, and that's one of the things that's funny is because they show them sitting in their chairs in front of like there's a tennis game that the robots are playing. Mm. They're not playing tennis like their forefathers were. They're, there's this thing that they're not even seeing. They're not even watching it. It's just going on. The plans that the forefathers had were not for them to stay on the ship for this long and to mm-hmm. just get deeper and deeper into laziness they were yeah. their plans were always supposed to be to go back to earth and rebuild right and don't forget to ask for your septuacentennial cupcake in a cup <laughs> i like the beautician bot too <laughs> oh no. really honey you look gorgeous yes. yeah and they're all the same uh, <laughs> the fact that one of the eve probes came back with a plant mm. you know he watches the president's announcements it means hey we've got confirmation of ongoing photosynthesis we can go home um it's like you might have experienced some slight bone loss um uh, a jogger on our jogging track we know should fix that we have a jogging track we have a jogging track yeah um operate manuel Manuel, relay instructions. <laughs> <laughs> and he has to, it's, it's an actual book with printed like, pages. Oh, yeah. like Hal has to, or not Hal. Auto. Auto. <laughs> but it is Hal, yes. Well, I mean, it is Hal. <laughs> Even I call it, it Hal. Hal. He's, got, he's got Hal's eye. He's got Hal's eye. Um, there, there's, more than a, there's more than a little influence from 2001 on this movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I kept on telling you that. And you're like, okay, fine. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. I get it. I bought it, didn't I? I yes, you did. It, I, know, I know. I know. You'll watch it when you have to, I'm sure. Uh, for cult movies. Probably not before. <laughs> Pretty much the whole rest of the movie then is just like trying to get the plant. Yeah, yeah. It, it <laughs> is. Go because Otto has other directives, directives that, yeah. that he can't tell the captain because, you know, the, the global... Which is also very Hal. Uh, that's right. very 2001 because there's a sort of a secret other directive that they can't tell the yeah. crew and so they but get their, really evil. They, get, they get them they get them mixed up so bad things happen it's kind of portrayed here as being evil when it's really not when you find no, out like why not they just actually really, yeah they realize pretty early on that you know that we trash the earth too much that it's unsustainable you know like don't ever come back just stay it'll out be in space easier to stay out in space i think that line yep. and then the captain's response is just what easier what why yeah. is that okay why is that better i think that's you'll really survive profound. better out here yeah. i don't want to survive i want to live, live is what the captain says yeah. yeah so there are a couple of things i wanted to touch on uh we don't need to hit every plot point but i think uh just if we can talk about a few sort of moments um yes where they go to the repair deck for all the robots, yeah. <laughs> I get kind of Cuckoo's Nest vibes from that because it's sort of like Wally is R.P. McMurphy is Jack Nicholson, <laughs> uh, you know, setting them all free from their because these are the crazy ones. But the, again, because they're weird, these weird robots, so I like the Mitchells, are sort they of able to help yeah. save 
everything in the end. And I think that, uh, I think that's really sort of part of the point. It's the insane ones that are actually, they're breaking the mold. They're doing something mm-hmm. different. And that's John and Mary too. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a lot of beautiful sequences. Like I love the, like when Eve's going to put Wally in the escape pod and send him back home. I know. And, and then he, he sits are. there with his little feet. He's tipping his feet together and, you know, come sit yes. next to me. Is and so not sweet. Remote, the, one of the stewards brings the, the, gopher, the plant yeah. in or the gopher. Yeah. Yeah. Comes in to bring the plant. And they, just him being like, Eva. I could, me quoting this movie is just going, Wally and Eva. And like <laughs> no. different intonations the way that they do. And yeah. it never gets old, never gets boring. That's their only dialogue with each other is saying each yeah. other's names, you know? But yeah. it's just the way that they say it. Again, you get it. You get the conversation that they're actually having. Exactly. That they can't have it's, because they don't have the language, you it's know? so good. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and by the way, uh, the design of the escape pod, also 2001. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, I just got to say it, you know. Um, but I really Again, love just, that scene because, uh, yeah. you know, she thinks that when she chases after him and she thinks that he's died in the explosion and then he comes racing back with the uh, fire extinguisher. Fire extinguisher. <laughs> okay. I got to say that dance sequence. Yes. Is it's beautiful. Beautiful. And that was another one where I was watching that sequence and I, I just said to Jen while we were watching this, wow, that must have been great in the theater, huh? <laughs> Maybe one day I'll be able to see it in a big screen retrospective. <laughs> Who knows? And it's just perfect because at this point, like the captain's eyes have been opened you know, to the yes. possibilities of Earth. And so he's... Um, asking the computer like all these different things like define hoedown and mm-hmm. the, the way that he says you know like define dancing the, and then it's the way that they're played against the way they're dancing uh, yeah, together the, um, movement you know two partners you know were synchronized to music and it's just it's absolutely perfect the way that they're like intertwining their the trails of eve's blue trails that it leaves she leaves behind and then mm-hmm. the the fire extinguisher yeah in space it's just it's so beautiful and then John and Mary seeing it too through the mm-hmm. window. Hey, I met that guy. That's that's Wally. That's I know that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and she's just like, what? What? This? She actually is seeing this sort of natural world. Out, I mean, space, but you know, this natural whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's not a world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but she's seeing something natural for the first time. Actually, looking out the windows, and. John, you know, just like that moment of touching hands. Yeah. It's almost like it's the human version of the of the kiss uh, between Wally and Eve with the spark. The little blue spark. Yeah. I love that. And then when they show John and Mary down by the pool splashing, no splashing, no diving. (laughs) Hey, no splashing, (laughs) no diving. Yeah. No, because they are having fun and they're actually, they actually have their feet in the water mm-hmm. for the first time probably in their entire lives. Yes. And are actually experiencing true human interaction with each other. Yeah. And having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Doing like a real thing fun. Like spla- it's like just simple things, just splashing each other with water. Yeah. They don't do stuff like that, you know, the way that their lives have been going. It's those things about like, you know, finding joy in the little yeah. things. That's what Wally 
does too. Like when his with his little treasure is like finding the spork and not knowing where to categorize it. Exactly. (laughs) With the spoons or the forks. (laughs) Always keep that curiosity alive. That's right. There are a couple of things here. I mean, like when the captain sees that the earth has been trashed, he's like asking, where's the blue sky? Where's where's all of the things? Yeah, where's the pizza plants? <laughs> it's like, well, we we need to go back. We need to fix this. This is up to us. And that's one of the things that I think is the message of the movie is yeah. even though the earth is still, you know, got a long way to go, he's saying there's something alive there. It can sustain us. And it's up to us to take care of this now. Like a, we made the mess. Now we got to clean it up kind of thing. We have to clean it up. We can't rely on. We can't leave it to the robots. Yeah. The robots. Yeah. When I first watched this, I was like, well, he only found that one tiny little green plant. You know, it seems a little Mm -hmm. bit premature to go back to Earth already. You're going to have to start over from the very, very beginning. Yeah. But that's exactly what they need to do. And they're these people are excited about it because they finally have more motivation now to actually live a real life. And I love that the captain is a real leader when he decides he's going to fight back and he has the determination to stand on his feet and you know they play the 2001 music yes. <laughs> the Spruck Zarathustra music and you know that is a moment of evolution and that is what that yeah. song indicates in 2001 it's a moment of change of mm-hmm. drastic change and a new beginning and that's what that indicates so this is absolutely indicates the same thing in this movie and um because he does that, other people see that they can do it too. Mm-hmm. And so I love at the very end when he's showing the kids, all right, kids, you're going to do all sorts of things. This is called farming. Uh, you're going to grow all kinds of things, you know, pizza plants and everything. <laughs> and this boot with this thing growing out, it becomes a symbol um, of yeah. rebirth. And it's lovely. And it, it's a meshing of the humans and the technology too, yes. not mm-hmm. abandoning one, but it's right. both of them working together. Yeah, because they show like the robots helping to start the fire and stuff. Well, and just like just getting the plant to where it needs to be in the, the hollow door detector or whatever. There's the scene of like Mo has the plant and throws it to the human, yeah. you know, or whatever. And they, they just they all throw it, you know, to get it to Wally yeah. to put in, in there. It's not demonizing the technology. It's realizing that they can't do everything for us, but right. they're just there as helpers. And we they, it's, it has to be a, a blending of the two. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think that's um, one of the stories here, too. And when they're at the trash dump sequence, you know, the Eve has seen the video now. And she finally oh, gets oh, that. When she was asleep, yeah. Yeah, finally, finally gets that <laughs> Wally was just, has been trying to hold her hand this whole time. She's like, oh. And then there's this great scene. It's like, you know, he says, because he, he's been hurt at this point. Mm-hmm. He holds up the, you know, directive. And she throws the plant away and says, holds up her hand and says directive. I mean, that's that's really sweet. But he's yeah. like, and, but then he is the one who says, no. There's something bigger we need to help with here. And he goes and gets the plant, um, you know, putting off his own sort of greatest desire in order to do this thing is just, oh, man, it's wonderful. Sacrificing himself. He does. I mean, okay. 
Yes, Wally is Jesus. Um, <laughs> Wally uh, gets... Well, there's definite... Well, I mean, her name is Eve. Come on. I know. <laughs> so there's definite yeah. religious stuff in here, too. Sure. Yeah. He gets crushed by the hollow projector thing because Otto wants to destroy him. Yeah. Satan. Um, you know... <laughs> doesn't want... It doesn't Does want, want the the plants. It doesn't want the earth to doesn't be want, redeemed. Doesn't want he the, doesn't want the world to be redeemed. Doesn't want the Garden of Eden to be rebuilt. Yeah, exactly. Which is there you go. So Wally sacrifices himself in order to save humanity. I mean, it's not subtle. <laughs> so knowing the way that these animated films can play with my emotions, though, when mm-hmm. I first saw this, I was devastated that wally was actually like I know. quote unquote dead yeah. <laughs> the end. and again this is a genius to the animation and the storytelling and the way that they can give this thing personality you immediately know when it's not wally when he doesn't have the personality when that's he, right like, when she fixes, fixes him, him up and i remember the first time i saw this going oh no <laughs> No. Yeah, I was like, don't do not do this. You can't no, do this. He can't do re- this. <laughs> he, so when he's totally like reset to factory standards and then. Yeah, she... his recordings are gone. Of, oh, gosh, like The music from Hello, Dolly that he I looked. Know. Oh, know, that's another beautiful image. Like at the beginning of the movie, he plays the uh, recording as he's you know getting the tiniest little glimpse through all the smog, you know, of the, the stars and the night sky. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just another kind of great like commentary shot too, but Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh I, yeah, I was terrified that they were actually going to do that and not bring him back, but what awakens him as you said, like a very del- the hand holding. She is <laughs> she's the prince and she kisses yeah. him cuz she puts her head on him, there's the spark. That's the kiss, right? Sure. And the kiss awakens Snow White. I mean, that's I think it's, it's the hand holding. Well, really the the hand holding is is part of it too, <laughs> definitely. But I mean, I think the kiss is necessary for the Maybe. mythic element because sure. she's she's holding his hand and he's not reacting, and then the kiss he closes his hand around hers. That's, I love when like yeah. she uh, yeah and she, tries she tries to, to fly away. away and she can't yeah. And then I was like Wally Wally. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then he does the thing with, like you said, the thing with the eyes, so mm-hmm. that you know that it's him, and he's and he just looks awakened. Eva, Eva. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm not I mean, gonna it's, cry. It's, I'm it's, not it's, gonna cry. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> it's power. I mean, these movies, I just sort of demonstrate the power of image mm-hmm. and classic story. Because, you know, both of these, I mean, they have a lot of fireworks that goes on around it. But at their core, I mean, Wally is a simple love story. I mean, that's its core. Yeah. And then Mitchell's versus the Machines is a family bonding story. So it's just sort of these simple, universally relatable elements of, you know, family and, mm-hmm. you know, relationship that ground these stories and you have sort of these mythic elements you know these things that are in our collective unconscious uh i mean whether you're religious or not i mean you kind of know what it means when someone dies and comes back to life i mean you get you get it i mean i think i think in western culture at least i mean we have that in our collective unconscious because it's in so much of our literature and so much of our storytelling not just in the original 
you know, biblical text or whatever, mm-hmm. or or also Greek and Roman texts as well, right? Absolutely. So I just find that really, really interesting, and and that those stories still work. I mean, you got to tell a good story around it. But that the way it's executed, simplicity of that, yeah, the simplicity of that core story though is what's really powerful. Yeah, for me, when I got to the end of the two thousands, I said to myself, you know what? Wally is the best movie of the decade. It is the best science fiction movie of the decade. It is the best love story of the decade. It is the best animated <laughs> film of the decade. It is the best family sure. film of the decade. And that opinion has only continued yeah. for me. I, I think it is uh, a brilliant piece of work. And I like it more every time I see it. My daughter has been saying lately that it's her favorite movie. She watches it fairly regularly. It's not a bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the kids are all right. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, and this was a recent new love for me but i mean it's not hard to yeah fall head over heels in love with wally yeah to me this is still pixar's masterpiece and they've made some great movies since then i i think for me i know people love up but for me it never tops its first 10 minutes and it's fun but yeah damn that is so strong yeah (laughs) yeah I think Ratatouille is good. Uh, I I don't like it as much as a lot of other people do, Um, but I like it a lot. I think my second favorite is probably uh, Inside Out because that turns me into a blubbering mess um, because I saw that when I had kids that age. I think Coco is a a masterpiece too. Um, I just saw that recently and I was like, this this is phenomenal. Yeah. (laughs) Coco is so good. Yeah. Uh, I also like Soul. I like Luca. I like some of the more recent ones as well. But um, to me, this is sort of their crowning achievement. Um, it really is. And hey, maybe they'll top it at some point, but that would be tough. Uh, there's just something about this one. Uh, it's sort of the classic group that started Pixar, but also taken to a point of sort of the top of their game as a team. Uh, I know that there's been some controversy surrounding some of the members of that original uh, founding production, particularly with John Lasseter. But you know what? They made a great piece of art. <laughs> and Absolutely. So, um, and most of the Andrew Stanton, Pete Doctor, a lot of those people are still part of Pixar. So, as I recall, so really wonderful, wonderful movie. And Absolutely. paired with a really, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't yeah, think to pair this with any other movie. And this is th- this is great yeah. pairing. These go a lot better together than I initially thought. Because we were just thinking at first when we paired them together, it was like, oh, they're both robots. And yeah. they're robots taking over and technology or stuff. But there's a lot of other little elements that, yeah, they, they're kind of perfect together. So yeah. Maybe 2001 to go to with Wally, <laughs> just to make Brian happy. <laughs> uh, I was actually going to say, you know, a Buster Keaton movie, you know, pick out, yeah, you know, silent, watch, watch. I was thinking about silent films a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Watch Sherlock Jr. or something uh, or Steamboat Bill Jr. And <laughs> just have a good time, you know, seeing the relationship between Buster Keaton and Wally, that character. So if you're into Hello, Dolly, I suppose you could watch that. I 
Honestly, when I first saw Hello Dolly, it was well after I had seen Wally. I was very disappointed. <laughs> it's just like Wally is so much better. <laughs> but Wally loves it. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay, so what so, do we have coming up next? Coming up next, we have another kind of classic story that is told in film. We are talking about the coming of age movies. And yeah. I kind of like the choices that we have for this because, you know, because man and woman. So yep. we have boys growing up and girls growing up. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, these are kind of the classic examples, I think, at this point. Yeah, they are. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're the obvious picks, I think. They are but... the obvious picks, but uh, me from 1980. Mine... Oh, do you want to yeah. go first? Okay. No, I'm just saying, like, well, mine is like truly like part of my coming of age because I was about sure. the same. Uh, maybe a little bit, I was younger than, a little bit younger than the, the actual girls in the movie, but. Yeah. Sure. Sure. It's kind of perfect. I was about exactly the same age as the kids in Stand By Me when I first saw it. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously based on Stephen King's story, uh, there's a lot about it that uh, you look at that core cast of four and like this was the kids of my childhood, the actors I grew up watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Stand By Me. What else <laughs> is there to say? Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> And then mine also about a group of four, group of four girls uh, mm. from 1995. It's now and then. Sometimes called so. "Stand by Me for Girls," uh, but I don't think that's <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I don't know if that's fair or not. I've actually never seen "Now and Then" all the way through, so I'm looking forward to giving that uh, a watch. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. You better. Okay, and if I don't, I won't say a word. <laughs> against it how's that <laughs> no okay well um yeah i hope you enjoyed our episode thank you for joining us our show is on twitter and instagram at movie life pod give us a follow there uh, and you can also find me on twitter and instagram at brian waves 42 you can find me on instagram at michelle Egan. all right everyone just remember your Number three, Robinson head, (laughs) non-slip screwdrivers, wherever you go. Put on your Sunday clothes. There's lots of world out there. All right. I'm going to stop. What are we going to do, Michelle? (laughs) We will see you all next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Did you think that your feet had been bound By what gravity brings to the ground you were tricked by the future you picked well come on down all these rules don't apply when you're high in the sky so come on down come on down we're coming down to the ground there's no better place to go Got snow upon the mountains, we got rivers down below. We're coming down to the ground. We hear the birds sing in the trees, and the lamb will be the pastor. We send the seeds out in the trees. Did you think you'd escaped from routine? 
by changing the script and the scene. Despite all you made of it, you were always afraid of a change. You got a lot on your chest. Well, you can come as my guest. So come on down, come on down. We're coming down to the ground. There's no better place to go. Got snow upon the mountains. We got rivers down below. We're coming down to the ground. We hear the birds sing in the trees, and the lamb will be looked after. We send the seeds out in the breeze. Like the fish in the ocean, we felt at home in the sea. We learn to live off the good land. We learn to climb up a tree. Then we got up on two legs, but we wanted to fly. And when we messed up our homeland, we set sail for the sky. We're coming down to the ground. There's no better place to come. We got snow upon the mountains. We got rivers down below. We're coming down to the ground. We hear the birds sing in the trees, and the land will be looked after. We send the seeds out in the breeze. We're coming down, coming down to earth, like babies of birth. Coming down to earth. Find your priorities. These are extraordinary qualities. We're coming down to the ground. There's no better place to go. We got snow upon the mountains. We got rivers down the road. We're coming down to the ground. We hear the birds singing. And the land where we look after the sun is set.